Only. Carry On Only. Dedicated to inspiring your next global adventure. With award-winning photographer, creative director, and travel expert, Jill Pater. Jill has worked in over 100 countries, has published 21 books on architecture, design, travel, and gastronomy. Now, here's Jill and her co-host, Lisa Polachek. So today, Jill Pater is taking us to Paris, even though I've heard she's been there a million times. I don't know about a million, but I'm working on it. Yeah. I'm working on it. So is this going to be a composite of all of your experiences, or is this a particular trip you'll tell us about? It's a composite. It's also one of our listeners' choice, which I think it's important to point out. We had lots of listeners voting for France as one of the destinations we did on this season. So a lot of people tuning in for France, so we want to give them lots of nuggets that are going to help them along their way. Certainly seems like the listeners haven't been steering you wrong yet. They have not. They put together a great season for us. Yeah, yeah. So in addition to uh, listeners requesting Paris, what other things keep you coming back? Paris, like London, which we featured um, on last season, is just one of those places you can go a million times and always have a different experience. It's it's constantly changing. There's so much to do there. Um, I I, I spent an entire summer there doing a French immersion program and no matter how much time you spend there, you just, it's, it's never quite enough, right? You never, there, there's always new things coming up and going on in new parts of the city that you have yet to explore. Tell me about the French immersion program. The French immersion program was pretty interesting because I actually, I managed to test out better at the beginning of the program than I did at the what? end. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I scored better at the beginning and the end. So that was not, most of my, what happened is most of my friends there in the program were Spanish speaking. And I speak Spanish as a second language much better than French. And so in all my spare time, I was speaking Spanish and not as much French. So I think it was part of the, you know, just the grammar touch, the grammar test, you know, being a matter of luck at the beginning and then just kind of not coming up to speed as fast. Okay. Interesting trajectory. Yes. What kinds of things do you tend to like to do when you go to Paris? With Paris, as with any major city, I think... One of the challenges for travelers is you have this huge bucket list of items in that city that you want to see, kind of the main stage things like the Louvre and all all the museums and main things. I think trying to put all those on your list in in doing them is a a big mistake. It's very taxing. It's all the tourists are in the same spot. So every place is overloaded, long lines, um, especially with Paris in the summer. So what I recommend is kind of picking and choosing the things that you're most interested in and, and narrowing it down to like maybe one museum a day or, or day trip. But for me, the best parts about Paris are, are really just the cafe culture, the hanging out at bistros, getting coffees, um, the pastries, you know, kind of mingling through the back streets of different quarters of Paris, um, experiencing it through your own eyes versus through someone else's. Um, because it's a, a city that's been visited so many times. We see it on so many travel programs and magazines. We're constantly looking at it through someone else's eyes, but actually just going out on your own and, and, and looking at it yourself for the first time, you know, and getting a mix of things, getting a mix of the, the you know, greatest architecture, the greatest museums in Europe, but also kind of doing your own thing, hanging out at it. Maybe it's just hanging out at a cafe all day or going to an outskirt part of the city which I did when I shot my book, Villa Savoie, which is um, a ho- on a, a home that Le Corbusier did on the outskirts of Paris. It's in a suburb called Poissy. It's a beautiful modernist home. 
it's kind of the a mecca for all students of architecture in people in design that they love to see. But that was kind of a special interest thing that I did that you normally wouldn't do when you go to Paris. But it was it was so eye opening and so cool, and it, and it became a book that did very well. So I'm so happy that I did that. But How did you gain access to this house? It's open to the public. Okay. So it's a part of the a French National Trust. And so it's open and it's where, you know, architecture students go. It's, it's one of the most famous modernist homes of all times. Kind of the main points of architecture are based on, you know, Le Corbusier's points of architecture. And it's, it's, so it's something that design enthusiasts love. How did you arrange for getting these awesome, gorgeous shots with no people in them. <laughs> well, that's, that's always a challenge. But um, fortunately, I picked a day. I went during the weekday when not as many people were going to be there and just worked my way around the building and spent a lot of time there. And are you traveling with a lot of photo gear? I travel very light. So I, I almost always try to travel carry-on only, the name of our podcast. <laughs> um, but every once in a while, if it's a bigger shoot and I need to bring the lighting gear with me, I do. But for this specific trip, I bring travel tripods. I have, I have travel versions of everything that fit into carry-on luggage. Okay. So I have travel tripods, travel cameras, travel you know, lighting, you know, if need be, for different aspects of things. Very good. So it's just about paring it down because what happens is if you're traveling with a lot of gear, it really, you know, weighs you down and kind of limits what you can do. You can't just hop on a train and go somewhere. It's like you need a car and you need a driver and you need an assistant. You need all these other things. So if you can pare it down, even even though sometimes that means and photography means more post-production. I'm shooting in HDR, so I have to take more pictures and I have to, you know, work on some of the lighting issues in post-production but it's just an easier way to, to travel and gain access to things. Because oftentimes as photographers, we don't have, you know, it could be five minutes, it could be 10 minutes or 15 minutes, but you usually don't have all the time you want to shoot something. So, so having things ready and compact and being ready to go is a huge asset. Can you recall your first visit to Paris? I, I almost can't. <laughs> it's been that long ago. Yes, it was, it was in college. Okay. And yes. what, sorts of things was the college you surprised by? I was surprised by, you know, just because at that point I hadn't been, I grew up in the Midwest in a small town, so I hadn't been in a lot of major cities at that point. And the first major cities that I'd been in were in Europe. So the first major city was Madrid, the second was London, and then the third was Paris. So for me, just being in that environment, having that amount of stimulation, the amount of infrastructure and buildings and just the size of it, I think, was, was the first thing that really kind of stands out. Would you recommend that today's college-age travelers head to Paris, or is it a little too much? Not, absolutely. I mean, Paris is just, it's one of those, you know, if you're building a top 10 list of travel destinations, it's, it's just one of them. It's on most people's list. Other than... Um, College students, what are some <laughs> what are some of the ideal or or typical uh, traveler demographics? I think Paris is one of those places that it really appeals to a wide variety of people. I mean, it, it's I would say relatively easy for older travelers because you have you know certainly every type of public transportation you'd want inside the city as well as private transportation. It appeals to you know romantic vacations, girlfriend getaways really anything and at all budgets. And it's a very different city on a student budget than it is on, you know, an adult budget. And so that's what makes it a fun place to go back to because who you're traveling with will determine what you're doing. And that's going to be different every time. 
what have become some of your absolute favorite things to do in Paris? So I love Villa Savoie. One of my favorite places to dine in cafe is um, the Crystal Room in the, muse- the Baccarat Museum, which is absolutely stunning. I-, I love it. It's a top floor. It's kind of the penthouse of the building, and it's just, it has this stunning interior, you know, very 18th century interior. Um, just a really cool place, a place that when you're in, you definitely feel like you're in Paris and nowhere else. I love just walking through, I love walking the streets and notice, you know, just taking pictures of architecture and people watching in Paris is great. And the, the Palace of Versailles is kind of one of the touristy places that's my favorite, along with the Musée d'Orsay. How are you getting from place to place, transportation? Usually I walk, so I'll take, the, I'll take public, I'll take the metro into a certain part of the city, one of the arrondissements, the neighborhoods, and then kind of just focus on that neighborhood or that neighborhood and, and the neighborhood next to it. So I like to walk as much as possible just because I feel like you see a lot more. Um, certainly you have other forms of uh, transportation as well, buses and Ubers and all of that too to get, a, to get around. Are there places that you need advance uh, reservations or accommodations in order to partake of? Yes. So Europe in general gets very, very busy, full of tourists in the summer. So all your, you know, your big, your accommodation reservations any major restaurants that you want to go to. The French in particular really like making reservations. So dinner reservations, I always recommend making in advance and lunch reservations if they're at a nicer restaurant in advance. You're just going to have an easier time okay. getting, getting in and through. Okay. So if, if Paris is just full of tourists during the summer, yes. do you recommend going at that time? Or in your style of traveling, would you rather avoid the crowds? I would avoid it personally, like the plague. But for a lot of people, <laughs> that's the only time they can go, right? Especially yeah. if they're students or, you know, you're, you're taking your family and the kids only have off that time of year. It's just a different type of trip. I mean, for me, the best time to be in, in Europe and Central Europe is the shoulder seasons. So either... May, early, early June, before people are out of school. My ultimate favorite is September, October. Cool. Uh, how long of a trip do you think is, is perfect? It depends on what, what you're doing there. And if it's your first time, if you're exclusively visiting Paris or you're going on to other places. I mean, it's, it, it's a place that you could spend a couple of days. Say you just kind of want to taste and you want to move on. But like ultimately, if you're really going to see and discover Paris, seven to ten days minimum. Okay. Again, it's, it's a place like we, we had London on last season, very similar in that, you know, you can spend years in these cities and not see everything. So you're always scratching the surface no matter what. But if you're actually going to really kind of get to know Paris, then I would say seven to 10 days would be a, a good start. Okay. And you mentioned that there's definitely a difference between college style traveling and grown up style traveling. Budget wise, what are, what are the extremes of the spectrum? So for Paris, the great thing about Paris is that it's very accessible uh, via direct flights from the U.S., from major cities in the U.S. So your tickets, you can find discount tickets at various times a year, especially if you're going during shoulder and certainly if you're going during off-season. And then once you're in-country, you have all different types of budget, all different accommodations from, you know, staying at the top of the line, the, the four seasons, to staying in, like, Airbnbs, renting rooms and things. So in a sense, it's, it's a, it is an easy place to be on a budget because really? you have public transportation. So that's your transportation costs during the day. And what can add up are museum entrance fees. But there's so many things to do in Paris that are free that you could, 
you can you know pick and choose you know where you want to spend your budget on the paid museums and food is so accessible it's everywhere from like street food baguettes to bakeries to grocery stores like you're you're not going to find bad food in France wow. anywhere so you can do it on a very low budget or you can blow the bank yeah which you know well now Paris has fun. quite a reputation for fashion and luxury right yes mm-hmm. what can you tell us about those ends of the spectrum. I can tell you that if you're a big shopper, you'll probably get in a lot of trouble yes. <laughs> on, the, on the shopping side. For me, I'm not such a huge shopper. I think part of it is because I travel carry-on only and you, you can only fit so much stuff in, but it's great for fashion enthusiasts, people who want to see the latest and greatest. You know, the big fashion houses are all based in Paris. And so even from a kind of a tourism perspective, like seeing the trends in fashion and seeing the history of fashion in the city, that's available. Um, certainly if you want to buy it and take it home with you, that's also, that's also avail- available. Mm-hmm. So I know you're disciplined in not acquiring too much stuff along mm-hmm. the way so you, so you can live your mantra of carry-on only. What kinds of things are you packing when you go to Paris? So for Paris, probably the most important thing are comfortable walking shoes because no matter no matter what kind of transportation options you take, you're going to be walking some to some extent, and oftentimes on cobblestone streets, which are uneven. So you want something that is sturdy and also attractive. Okay. Um, Paris is a dressier, you know, more stylish city. So having you know change of clothes from daytime to night, people dress up for restaurants and going out to dinner. So having kind of the mix of both. Layered items are also nice. People sometimes don't necessarily realize in advance that Paris weather is much like London weather. So it can often rain, you know, spur of the moment. Kind of that overcast is pretty common. Um, so having an umbrella on hand as well is Very important. Very good. Okay. So it seems as though our listeners did not steer us wrong. Paris was an excellent destination. Thank you for sharing it with us. We've reached the end of today's program. Please do join us again next month for the next episode of Carry On Only. Carry On Only. Thanks for listening to Carry On Only, dedicated to inspiring your next global adventure. Listen to Jill take you around the world in style, live every week right here or 24-7 on demand at StarWorldWideNetworks.com. Please remember to like, subscribe, and share. For immediate access to Jill's destination guides, blog, and show notes, please visit jillpater.com. And follow her on Instagram at jillpater.com.